Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And today we have a special guest on. He, he's, a, you know, he's been in the industry for a while. He owns an excavation company. He's also the founder and CEO of Busy Busy, which is an app he's going to tell us all about that's going to save you guys a lot of heartache, a lot of time, and organize your business in a much more efficient way. Um, so without any further ado, Isaac Barlow, how you doing? Doing great. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing amazing, amazing. So Isaac, you said you're out in the Salt Lake City area, right? Or out in the, tell me a little bit about Utah. I don't know much about Utah. So where, where are you guys at out there? By the way, do you like Josh or Joshua? Uh, Joshua would be great. Joshua. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, in Utah, live in Utah, but Salt Lake City is the north side of the state and, and okay. St. George is the south side of the state and we're completely different climates. So you go north mm-hmm. and south in Utah and like Utah just is a beautiful country. It has a lot of different climates. Um, I grew up in, in Salt Lake City in northern Utah, and it's what pe- most people know of when they think of Utah is like the ski and the snow. You know, it's a great skiing area, Park City and so forth. But <clears throat> because I worked in the construction industry, I did landscape first when I came out of high school, and then I did um, excavation. So I had to work in the snow. So when you work in the snow, you don't play in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you know If you know what I mean. So... So I moved to St. George because it's the southern tip of Utah. In fact, it's closer to Las Vegas than it is to Salt Lake. And Zion's National Park is within 45 minutes of us, you know, so we're right in that area. Beautiful country. We don't get, if we get snow, it lasts about five minutes. You know, it just melts off immediately. So that that was the climate I wanted. So I moved south for the climate change. And it took me a while to get here because I had to work in Arizona, a few different places and, and circle back to here just so I could establish my business here. I love that. You know, and before we uh, click the button on here, we were talking about Utah and I was, I didn't realize that I didn't, that Utah has areas that doesn't get a lot of snow. that don't get a lot of snow. I always thought that that was whole area that got a lot of snow. I don't know much about Utah. So it's a place I'm going to have to discover, yeah. but uh, I appreciate that insight for sure. And, and uh, so tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got into landscaping and how you got into excavating and like, what, how did all that start for you? Um, it, it's all, it all kind of evolved from family business. So that's probably typical, I imagine for your listeners, but mm-hmm. my brother did landscaping. So when I was in high school and probably all the way up to 18, maybe 19, I was doing landscaping with him and also doing a small property management, um, business on my own, you know, when I was 19 years old for a while and then got into excavation with my other brothers. I have, I have six brothers. I'm okay. So we have, you know, we have actually a lot of kids in our family. I, I have my mom had eleven children, so I have wow. um, ten siblings, uh, nine living siblings. Wow. Anyway, so I had one brother that was in excavation, and the other, I'm sorry, one brother that was in landscaping. As far as the older brothers, mm-hmm. and the other three older brothers of mine were in excavation, and so I ended up going the excavation route eventually. And that's kind of what led me eventually to busy busy. Is when I came into excavation, um, I was kind of the nerd, you might say, of the family, where I was the numbers nerd. 
And so they mm-hmm. were like, well, you're probably better. You're probably fit better in the office. I mean, this was after, of course, I had to go through the five years or so in the field and make sure, you know, like they started me in the trenches, literally, you know, repairing yeah. sewer lines and every other terrible thing you can imagine. So, <laughs> <laughs> they were good brothers, you know, they pick on you. <laughs> it's, it's like a hazing, right? You have to do it. <laughs> it's totally like a hazing. <laughs> like you, you start out in the trenches. Here's your shovel. Work till you die. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I went from there. And so it was, it was really, you know, I, I went, I managed different positions. So I start out in, um, literally in the trenches doing pipe, pipe installation, you know, for sewer water, so forth. And then eventually end up operating, um, excavators and, you know, loaders, backhoes and stuff, and then end up being a job site foreman. And end up after that, you know, I moved into project manager role and then eventually estimator role and, and then ownership role. And so throughout those different facets, I just got to see all the different aspects of the business and, mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to me, you know, I'm, I'm analytical by nature. And so I was just kind of studying everything and, you know, I, I did things different. I did things a little bit more my own way. And, and in, in that regard, my, my jobs became the most profitable jobs. I love that. That's, that's awesome. What did you do different that made your proper, your projects more profitable? Um, primarily, I guess I focused on in, in today's world, back then I never heard the term, but today's world, they call it throughput, you know? So, mm-hmm. so typically in the excavation world, I'm not so about the landscaping, but it's like the boss or whoever's running the crew, you know, they run the nicest machine that it's kind of like the mm-hmm. honor position. Mm-hmm. And I realized real quick by kind of analyzing the project that that's not what made the project move the fastest. The way I could make the project move the fastest is I needed to coordinate and organize and basically line out things ahead of the crew so that I'd solved all their problems ahead of them. So they didn't have to do anything but produce. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I shifted myself to doing is being basically, you know, an orchestrator of the job site and making sure it just produced at the highest level possible. And so my jobs end up becoming the highest profit, profitable jobs uh, out of our company. And how did you realize that? Was it just a numbers game for you or was it something you read somewhere? No, it's your first one's right. It's a game for me. Like I'm, I'm one of those terrible people that I can't do anything if I don't entertain myself. And so I, okay. <laughs> I, have, to, <laughs> I have to make everything a game. You know, so. Nice. I love it. So like I would study, for instance, I'd say, okay, you know, with the crew, I'd say, okay, we're, we're averaging about 13 minutes per length of sewer pipe. Let's see if we can get that down to 10. You know, let's see if we can get down to six. How many can we do today? Did we beat our numbers from yesterday? Can we mm-hmm. do the best that the company's seen? I mean, I just had to gamify the whole thing to, to I guess, yeah. entertain myself. That's, that's powerful. And, you know, something you got hooked onto there is the idea that when, you know, a true leader uh, is not somebody who yells at other people to do stuff. It's the person that's oftentimes in silence, taking obstacles out of their team's way, Yeah, right? Figuring this stuff out and taking the obstacles out so they can win because the more they win, the more productive they are, the more they show up to work excited, their, their passion is back. Yeah. Like man, that's a, that's, that's the leader's number one focus is to take those obstacles out of the way. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. And it, it worked beautifully. It, it just, it. At, at least at the time I was in it, it just wasn't a common practice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the excavating world, it's more like dig hole, put yeah. stuff in hole, close hole. <laughs> right? well, it's, you know, everybody's hot, miserable and dirty. So it's like, no, I'm the boss. I'm going to run the nice machine with the air conditioning and the. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you're just going to sit there and point out the window as you're, you know, listen to your music and stand there at 68 degrees year round. Right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And you start getting the middle finger all the time because it's <laughs> raining out and nasty. <laughs> and you're like, everybody aspires to be the one sitting in the machine. And that's no yeah. way to start uh, becoming more productive by any means. That, that's right. That's exactly yeah. right. And and that's, that's what I've noticed. And it's, it's true of excavation. I think it's true of most construction is if you look at the industry, you know, now, of course I'm in busy, busy. So we study all the data on the industry and all the metrics. 
And you could roughly say about 33% of the time, people are um, focused on non, non-revenue producing tasks. In other words, they're doing things that don't make money. Hmm. And so to your point, uh, and, and what I consider too, as a leader, a job site foreman, their job is to make sure that the crew is focused on revenue producing tasks. And, and yes. your, your job as the leader is to take care of everything else, you know, get all the obstacles out of the way, whether it's permits, processes, scheduling, coordinating with people, whatever the case is, you do it and you keep your yep. crew producing. Absolutely. Now, what are some of the, the top, um, you know, time sucks that you saw out there that were non-revenue producing tax that people were just finding themselves busier than hell with? Like, what are some things in the excavating world you saw that popped up? You know, um, personally, I, and I think this is true almost everywhere, it was always people not being certain what they were supposed to do, trying to mm. figure out what to do. You know, like in the excavating world, let's say you're trying to set the laser or you're trying to figure out the plans or you're trying to, you know, coordinate, you know, where does this thing belong or this thing belong? Just being unclear about exactly the focus of their job. Because most, most people, I'm assuming it's the same everywhere, but they want to work. They want to do their mm-hmm. job. They'd, they'd like to produce, you know, and most machine operators, they want to run their machines, you know? Yeah. And so if you get them to where they're parking that parking the machine and they're getting out and they're trying to figure out plans, coordinate with the other subs, you know, whatever the case is, that's non-revenue producing activity. And you just got to figure out how to get those things out of the way. Absolutely. And the cool part is that once you figure it out once, it's kind of the same on each project. When it yeah. comes to some of those tasks, right, you can systemize them and make certain standards with that. And That's have right. you found that to be true? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Systems and culture. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. always preach, you know, as far as busy, busy goes, for a successful company, you need to focus on two things, systems and culture. Mm-hmm. Or at least I, I think those are the pillars of your company and everything comes from that. When you say systems, I know what they mean. I know a lot of listeners know what they mean contextually, but... What are some systems in business that are like the first ones you need to kind of put in place and why are they important? Because it's, I know a lot struggle with that. I struggle with that in the beginning too. I'm like, if I, if I'm trying to systemize the way I do it, how am I going to get someone else to do it the way I do? And why would I even do that when each time and every project is so different? So what are some things that you systemize immediately in a business to, in order to free up your time and keep you focused on revenue, you know, producing things? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it with a little bit longer answer, so I apologize. Please do. So my, my construction cycle, I try, to, I try to say, is we in the construction world, we should do three things, okay? We estimate, we execute, and, eva- and then we evaluate. So three, three steps, right? Estimate, execute, evaluate. Um, the, what we typically do in the construction world is we don't evaluate, okay? We, we estimate, yep. and we execute, and then we estimate, and we execute, and we just keep rolling and rolling, and we don't often learn. So the first system I'd put in place is that is you need, you know, because you think of where do you start a job? You start about a job by going and talking to someone, you, you get the work, you know, you, you talk to them, Hey, you want to do this job. You bid the job, you get the job. Now, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And so when you, you figure out your systems of estimating and you know, that that's even a longer conversation, but you, but you get into those systems. Like, why do you bid what you bid? Like you're bidding a job and you have your labor and materials, your materials are usually the easier things to figure out. Your labor is usually the harder things to figure out. And mm-hmm. and that's labor is, you know, how long does it take to perform a certain task, whether it's, you know, excavation, framing, drywall, whatever it is. And what resources do you need? In other words, how many, how many people, what machines, you know, what tools do you need to get this certain task done? So when you're doing your estimate, you're you're making a plan. Whatever that plan mm-hmm. is, you're, you know, you assume there's gonna be so many people, so many guys, so many machines, whatever tools and materials. You created a plan in your mind to, to create that number that you gave the customer and you had a certain profit margin in mind. So the very first system you should do, I, I mean, I mean, really creating the plan is your first system, right? Mm-hmm. But the very next piece of your process you should do is a handoff to the ex, to whoever's executing. 
uh, you know, oftentimes we'll say, okay, here's the plans, do the job. Well, what did the estimator plan? Like how, mm -hmm. what resources did you plan? There should be a handoff process where, where you, where the estimator hands the pro the job off to the project manager and says, here's how I thought you were, you would do the job most successfully. Here's the manpower I assumed you use. Here's the equipment and all that stuff. And then give the project manager the, the ability to evaluate that and, and kind of take a second look at it and say, yeah, you know that I can see how you thought that, but I've got some ideas of how I could do it better. That's, that's mm -hmm. cool. But at least do that proper handoff. So to me, that's, um, Second to the estimating, that's your first system is a proper handoff. And then um, then during the process of execution, you have to track the job. You have to track um, the time it takes to do certain tasks and what it takes. Basically, you have to track the data against your plan. Whatever the plan is that you made, you've got to track the data and say, did this go according to plan or did it not go according to plan? Yeah. And if you can track that data, then at the end of the job, you need to evaluate it between the estimator and the project manager. You need to evaluate and say, okay, here's the plan. Here's what we thought was going to happen. Here's what did happen. And the, and the project manager might say, here's how I adjusted the plan, this and this. And, and that informs both the project manager and the estimator. So now the estimator does better the next time because he got more informed on how things actually happened. And the project manager got more informed on, you know, how he, how his execution related to the plan itself. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like it's so much more of an accumulation than just a, a once and done kind of thing when you're creating systems. Yeah. You create a system, you try to break it, yep. and you accumulate the knowledge around it until you get something that works, right? Until That's you right. can grease it so all the pieces work right. But oftentimes the idea of even starting a system is daunting because you think you have to do it right the first time. That's right. And you know, I, I can stand here and I'm sure Isaac can stand here and tell you guys that every single system that we have in place would cross multiple businesses are all put together first Let's see how long it takes to break this. That's yep. the goal. It's not a once and done. So it's like, how can we make it better? How can we make it better? And then yep. having insight from your team, thinking like, you know, we do an after action report, an AAR after, you know, most projects and be like, all right, what happened? What went well? What could be better for next time? And then we go back to all the other processes and say, all right, turn a knob here, put a little oil on that. And next thing you know, we've got a better process. And that's how we can live for the most part, stress-free because we're constantly <laughs> adapting, but it's not a one and done deal. You're, you're right. And I, I appreciate that point because I, sh and I should bring it up more myself is you're, you're right. The people do hesitate to do systems because they're, they think they need to be perfect. They don't need to be perfect. Yep. The first thing you need to do is do, you know, just try it, just develop the yep. habit of doing systems. And you're right, it'll evolve. If you have a mentality of self-improvement or, or of job site improvement, it's going to evolve. Yeah, it's, it could be as simple as payroll. I know there's so many guys that are still running their own payroll. And I sit back and think, why? Because yeah. it's, it's not even that it takes, Isaac, it's not even that it takes five minutes to run it, right. 10 minutes to run it, 15 minutes. It's the fact that you've got to think about it. And it's all the bandwidth that's taken away from growing your business. You're focusing on, on one little piece of the business where you could easily hand that off to a bookkeeper and have all your employees send everything to him or her. And then she generates, he generates all the payroll, do direct deposit, and you never have to think about it. Maybe you just put your eyes over it quick to make sure it's good. But it's it takes those little itty bitty pieces off. And when you start taking those off, pretty soon you're like, all right, well... What if I took something else off? What if somebody else has to go in a trailer every day and make sure all the equipment's ready for the next day and fueled up and ready to go and the belts yep. are correct and all that kind of stuff? And what if somebody else spent an extra 30 minutes at the end of the day getting ready for the following day? And you can go back work on your business instead of in a damn thing. Perfect, perfect explanation. I mean, I, I love it. Um, 
payroll is a good, great example of systems. Like, uh, yep. even though I mentioned on the job side, it's true for the leader. It's true for the, for the leader of the company is you need to be focused on revenue producing activities. Any, any yep. system, any, any task like payroll that you can take off your plate and systematize it and hand it off to someone, you need to do that. Cause that, that does not produce revenue. You know, that's one of your systems and costs of your company. And, and of course it needs yeah. to be managed properly, but it doesn't produce revenue. And so to nope. your point, get your mind off it, get your focus on how do you make more money? hundred percent. And that's the, the, the leader's job is to take those, you know, that those uh, obstacles out of the way and also focus on the, let's just put it this way. And I know you already know this, but to the listeners, you know, there's so many different hats we wear as business owners, right? There's that's a right. $10 an hour hat, the $20, $50, $100, $500, okay. $1,000, $1,000,000 tasks, right? That we have, that we wear. And as the owner, we need to keep those $500,000, $5,000, $10,000 per hour tasks, hats on. And everything below a certain line, let's just say it's $100 an hour and less, that goes to somebody else. Once you start letting those go, those $15 an hour, you know, whatever your bookkeeper is going to charge you, 20, 30 bucks an hour, whatever, once you hand that off to somebody else, it's peanuts. And then you free your mind for space to go work on your company. So it's, it's, you have to look at and evaluate where you spend your time, do it, you know, a time evaluation for a week. I challenge the listeners out there for a week, take a piece of paper and chart what you use your time doing. And if you're driving to the nursery to buy plants, and if you're heading over to pick up rocks or you're heading out to do things, you could be paying one of your team members to do for 15, 20, 30 bucks an hour, and your 100, 200, $300 hour time is now working on creating better systems to get clients to say yes to the same project that's more profitable or upgrades or yep. bigger projects. Now you're finally in the sweet spot. Couldn't agree more. And I, and I love that analogy. Of, I, I, I've never heard that before, Joshua, and I think it's awesome. Put a, put a dollar value to the hat. We, all, we often yep. talk about wearing different hats. <laughs> put, mm -hmm. put a dollar value to your hat. That's, that's amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow that if you don't mind. Please do, man. Please do. You know, it's, it's so powerful. And I say all of this because I've made all of these mistakes. I used yeah. to think I had to do everything. I did all the payroll. I did everything, all the bookkeeping. And at yeah. the end of the month, I, I thought, oh, crap, I got to download my bank. I'm old school. So download my bank statement 20 years ago, right? And, yeah. and look through it line by line and figure out what all's going on. I would never pay a bookkeeper to do that. First of all, who could I trust? Second of all, <laughs> uh, holy crap, like if I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. And then when I finally hired a bookkeeper and, and she went through and did it, she was like, all right, that'll be like 75 bucks. And I'm like, you just saved me like four hours of time for yeah, 75 bucks? bucks. She's a hell of a lot better than I was at it, right? I was like, if that's the case, what else does she do? <laughs> right? oh, 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 man. Uh, should I tell you a terrible story? I, I mean, please. Terrible. Embar this is an embarrassing story. I don't even know if I've ever told this before publicly because it's so embarrassing. But um, we, my, my brothers and I, we run an excavation company. We decided at the same time we we're going to build our houses, right? Like we're going to build houses. And so we did that exact mistake you're talking about. <clears throat> Huge mistake. We're like, well, why, you know, why should we pay other people to frame our houses? Like we could frame our houses. Like we're ambitious, mm -hmm. you know, motivated guys, that kind of stuff. And so we start framing our houses and basically we go out there, you know, we're, we're top tier excavators. And then we go out there and we're, we're less than $5 an hour framers, you know, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like that terrible framers. and so we, <clears throat> so because we didn't want to play the framing labor, you know, cause we were thinking with the wrong mentality back then. We go out and we start trying to frame my brother's house. And we, we got through two of the houses um, or maybe three, I think. And by the time it got to me, because I was the youngest brother, I was like, stop. This is just, this is the most insane, terrible thing mm. that we've ever done. It just about crashed our company because mm. we were literally, you know, putting on those $5 an hour hats and going out and framing mm. when we, you know, when we were worth 
you know, $100, $150 an hour, whatever it was running the machinery. So we're parking our machines. That's why I say it's so embarrassing. We're parking yeah. our machines and going out and framing to save money. It just, <laughs> I feel, <laughs> I feel It's crazy how it works though, right? <laughs> but it makes perfect logical sense. We're like, we don't have to pay somebody. So therefore it's okay. Yeah. And, uh, dude, I was in that, that squirrel wheel for longest time, like running and running. I should call it the rat wheel, but anyway, yeah. uh, running and running and running that wheel thinking that I'm saving money, especially if I don't know what I'm doing and it's new, I can yeah. kind of test it on me. And the next thing you know, all the focus it takes to do these things, or it's like one thing that here's another great story. When, when I first started in business, you know, we did everything, right? It, when, yeah. when a truck went down, we went to the junkyard, it took a whole afternoon to went to the junkyard. We found an engine that would work. We, they would tear it out. They'd put it in the back of a truck we would take it back to the shop we would pull the old engine out ten entire weekend or longer pull the old engine out yeah. put the new engine in i remember very clearly we bought a diesel engine for one of our old pick or our old dump trucks and we put it in and fired it all off it took us days and days got it all working great fired it off and it had a knock in the engine <laughs> so i was like oh shit so we we called the place they're like i'll oh, just bring it back we'll give you another one and we're thinking just bring it back yeah. We've got like days worth of work to tear this thing out and lifts and all this kind of crap. Cause we're not, we, we're efficient enough at mechanics to not kill ourselves, but it was not our, right. our bread and butter. Right? right. So we took it back. We got another engine, we put it in there and we just thought this is what it was. Cause I, you know, my father was born and raised on a farm and that's just what you uh -huh. did. Right. Yeah. But I said to myself after that and so many transfer cases and U joints and blah, 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 you name it, brakes and, yep. and rotors, all that stuff. I said, you know what? The first thing I'm going to hand off when we start making enough money is all of the maintenance. And yeah. that's exactly what we did. It was just, there's a system, right? Got a problem? Send it to somebody right. else. There's a system. <laughs> you don't got to do it. That's I'd right. go back in the office and I'd start designing and bidding work where I was making money. Then all of a sudden I'm like, look, I'm not getting dirty, busting my knuckles up, swearing at everything, coming home mad at my family because I'm sick and tired of work I don't want to do. Yep. I can actually come home happy because I just sold two projects in the time this guy did what he did and he charged us less and did it faster. Yeah. So you're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just acknowledging, like sometimes in our pride, we think we can do everything better. Yep. And sometimes it's finally just acknowledging that, no, you can't like that mechanic is better than you and yeah. <laughs> he'll do yeah. the job better than you faster. And, and then you can produce revenue, you know? Yeah, yeah, but it's swallowing the pride and understanding to keep your ego in check. Yeah. The second you put that ego on a shelf and say, "Look, you you might be able to do it. Sure, I can mow my lawn pretty damn well. I can stripe that puppy if I wanted to." Right. But I really don't care to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can clean toilets pretty well too, but I really don't care to. Right. right. And, and and you're yeah. and if you want to go if you want to go further down the rabbit hole, it, it's actually selfish. Yeah. You know, it, because you're, you're taking away work from other people that would want to do it, that do good work mm -hmm. and you're not producing the opportunities in your own company for your own team that you could yep. be producing. Like as a leader, you should be producing opportunities for other people and yep. you're not because you're, you're doing this thing that you're thinking you do better than anybody else. And so, yep. um, I, I, I actually talked to one business owner and he says there there's every single thing in my company I can do best, you know, better. And he said it with pride, like I can do better than any of my other team members, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, down to the most minute detail. And I was thinking, I would never want to work for you, you know? Nope. <laughs> like, like just let your team be best at something. They probably are anyway. I mean, they probably really yeah. are. Just let your pride acknowledge that they're better. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I know you, it, it's, 
I've read so many books and the same premise keeps coming up. If you want to be a great leader, you got to surround yourself with people that are a hell of a lot better than you because all they need is direction. And if you have, you know, a team that is absolutely dialed in on each of their specific functions and they just, they own it, they love it. And all they need is a direction for those functions. Like if they're builders or if they're designers or if they're managers, just give them a stage to rock out on. That's what they want. You just got to provide the stage, man. That's it. (laughs) That's right. And then, and then, and then, you know, cheer in the audience. Like, just How? oh yeah let, biggest yeah let them let them do their thing and, and it's it's awesome yeah. it, it creates a better culture for everybody you know like we talked about systems and culture that that's a better mm-hmm. culture when you when you 100%. surround yourself with good people and give them opportunities to succeed and to thrive and to grow and to be the best yeah. you know to master their um master their trade whatever it is you're just gonna have a better culture everybody's gonna like each other better it's everybody's gonna be happy oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it with mastery and autonomy, right? Being able yeah. to do it your way and get a better result. They, people own it more. Teams yeah. own it. They're like, this is a really good idea. This was my idea. Yeah. You know, and there's such a pride in that as opposed to boss telling you what to do, dictating top down, do it my way. It always works for me. And they're like, but it doesn't work for me. I got to wait at save us an hour a day. Don't care. Do it the old way because it'll stroke my ego. <laughs> you yep. know. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it when a team member comes to me and shows me they've got a better way to do it. Um, in Busy Busy, we we have a culture. Um, we joke and we jokingly say like, "Yeah, everybody's got an opinion here," because we literally have to. Um, when people come into Busy Busy as a as an employee, we have to kind of go through this process where they learn that they can argue with the CEO. Like, mm. like you can argue with me, and and I yes. want you to because yes. if you're not arguing with me, I know I'm not getting your best out of you. Yep. You know. And it's not that you want to argue all the time. Like, like when I was on the job site, what I'd tell people is I'd say, listen, I want to hear your ideas, but you have to understand that in the end, I get to decide whether to implement those ideas or not. Mm-hmm. But, but if you have a culture that shuts down ideas, you'll, you, you won't have the, you won't have those great opportunities to learn better ways of doing things. It's like putting water on a fire. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a horrible way to do it. And, you know, I, I the same culture here at master plan. It's, it's, you know, I, I want the team to come to me and say, don't think you're right. Look at it this way. Yep. I, mean, I want that kind of conversation. It's not the my way or the highway mentality, because if that is, you're not going to last long or you're going to be unhappy. Yeah. You're, when your team is empowered to come up with better ideas than you, and you could sit back and be in like your biggest, you're their biggest cheerleader. You just get up and just put your hands together and just start clapping and be like, that was freaking amazing. I love that. More of that. Wherever you got that, get some more of it. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. All of a sudden, yeah. I feel too. When, um <laughs> Whenever my team makes me feel unnecessary, I mean, I just about have a cheer moment. I'm like, this is so great. (laughs) Exactly. They keep me around for entertainment now. This is, isn't this the dream, right? (laughs) Oh goodness. But it's, it's letting go of the control. It's letting go and giving people the chance to make decisions and they're going to make poor decisions too, aren't they, Isaac? They're going to make poor. How do you handle when I, when you give people the autonomy to make decisions and they make a poor one? How do you, how do you handle that? Um, part of, part of it, I think, is a training process. Like you have to train people how to um, how how to go through that decision making process. And so um, sometimes you can fall over frontwards or backwards during the process. Like if you convey to your team member, "Hey, listen, I just don't want you to come ask me for anything," <clears throat> then you're <clears throat> excuse me, you're sacrificing all the training experience you have to to convey to them. And so to me, it's kind of a process. Like you go through it, and you might say, "Okay, listen, um, when you've got a problem, you come to me, but don't just throw it on me." Uh, like a, like a monkey on my back, like come to me with a problem and give me at least three solutions, you yeah. know, so that I can help you pick between the solutions using, using my experience. And then as you get further and further, you know, pretty soon you, you're not helping them pick anymore. They, they've just got it. But I, but I think mm-hmm. sometimes we can also go the wrong way where we say, 
no, you just do it. I don't want to hear, you know, you make the decision. I don't hear anything. You want to make sure that you're approachable where they can come to you. If they, if they're not sure how to solve a problem, you want to make sure that they say, um, can you help me with this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And the three option is so powerful. If you're just starting to empower your teams, you know, instead of just saying, all right, you guys, I'm going on vacation, you figured out, don't call me. And then you're sitting up all night long, sweating in your sleeping bag out in a tent somewhere in the jungle, right? And you're like, oh God, what's happening now? The place is burning down uh, versus saying, hey, you know what? You got a problem. That's fine. Come up with two or three solutions. Let's discuss them. And eventually, to your point, they build the muscles on how to make good decisions. They understand how you would make decisions. Yep. So like, it's exactly what Isaac would do. That's yeah. exactly what he would do. So let's just do it. And then two weeks later, you're like, guys, has there been any problems? Because I haven't heard anything lately. They're like, oh, yeah, we got it, boss. We got it, we got it totally under. They're like, well, what, what was the problem and how did you solve it? Well, here was the problem and here's how we solved it. That's better than I would have come up with. What about another one, right? You're, <laughs> you're like, you're wow, right. it works. Yeah. <laughs> those, those three options, when they come to you and you're picking through them, if you if you openly discuss the three options with them, they're going to follow your reasoning, your logic, how you yeah. go through them and pick the best choice. And like you say, you're building those decision-making muscles and pretty soon you're unnecessary. And that's what my goal yeah. always is. I always try to make myself, un, um, I always try to replace myself. Yep. 100%. 100%. But did, were you always like that or is that something you had to develop over time? Um, I was always very attracted to systems, but learning mm. to learning to really let go of the pride and um, get, get to the point where you acknowledge that you need to uh, replace yourself, surround yourself with great people and get yourself to the point that you can do other things. Um, that definitely had to be learned. Yeah. And how, how did you learn that? What was the, did you have like an aha moment or was it something over time? Um, good, good question. It was... There, there's two two sides of that. One is you can learn a lot from it's it's like your podcast. You know, it's 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 you know, we have I have this thing where I talk about you know in the in the construction industry, seventy percent of contractors fail. They do. That's just the reality. People listening to your podcast are probably in the thirty percent because the reality is if they have a mentality to learn, like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a mentality to learn. If you have a mentality to learn and self improve, you're going to do better. And so two things drove me to this. One was um, developing that mentality where I started listening to the different books, you know, good to great's a book, you know, you quoted autonomy mm-hmm. and purpose, you know, like Daniel Pink's drive book, you know, there's just all mm-hmm. these different books. You can learn like a, like a friend of mine told me, you can learn someone's life experiences in eight hours, you know, yep. read, read some, read some books and it's, yep. it's really great. And, you know, today with audible, you can read while you're driving, you can read while you're working, while you're operating, you can get a lot of information. But the second side is whenever someone's, um, a micromanager, I always think, Oh man, you're not busy enough, are you? You know. Yeah. The second side was I got so overwhelmingly busy that I just couldn't handle it and had to start letting things go. And then yeah. you started seeing the beauty of that. You're like, oh my gosh, when I let these things go, then my life's better, their life's better, everybody's life's better. And so it was kind of the combination of those two things: having a mentality of self improvement, and then getting so busy that I had to learn to let things go. I love it. You know, and it's, it's nice when you can realize that before the building's on fire and people are leaving because you're a micromanager and you're constantly saying my way, my way, my way. And then people are like, fuck you, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else where I find somebody with a bigger vision of life. Right. And you're like, oh crap, stop the fire. You do whatever you want. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's too much the wrong way. So if if that sounds like you guys listening out there and it sounds like you got to micromanage and you're always feeling like you have to be part of this, you're the problem. You need to take a quick assessment of what you're doing and then go deep, right? And figure out how the hell you can get out of your own path. Because if you don't, 
Your employees are going to see this and they're going to move on and you're going to be stuck with nothing except a lot of bills and probably unhappy customers <clears throat> and a very difficult way of growing a business if it's even possible at that point. So if that sounds like you, because I used to be a micromanager, guys, that's yep. why I say it this way. I used to be that guy until I said, nope. Um, I, I know that there's people around me that are far more talented than myself. I need to give them the autonomy, that the space to do this on their own. And I need to sit back and learn and shut my freaking mouth. And holy <laughs> moly, that's when the life, that's when it happens, right? That, that's yeah. when it starts. And then when, once you get that rolling and you want to test to see if it's working well, I don't know how, I want to hear how you do this, Isaac, but here's how I did. I was like, all right, we've got systems, we got processes, we got people running, everything's great. I'm going to take two weeks vacation. <laughs> gone, right? <laughs> this is going to show the cracks. It's not going to be perfect. It never yeah. is perfect. It's but great. you leave yeah. for two weeks and you're like, you come back, you're like, all right, what failed? This, 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 good. We know where we got to put the glue. Yep. Right? We're going to bond those areas with JB Weld this time, right? We're going to put that together. We're going to make sure they're better. And then you know what? A few months or whatever, quarters later, you leave again for two weeks and you see what breaks then. Yeah. And when you start doing that over and over, your team become empowered and you start finding these cracks. And you can only find those cracks when you're not there. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, I, I can't remember if I deliberately took vacation to figure that out or if I just got so busy that people just had to handle it. You know, where, you, where yeah, you, yeah. similar to vacation, it's just like, I, you know, they call me and I don't answer. I don't call back. I, you know, I'm not responding because I'm so buried. And finally, I call them, you know, a week later. And they're like, oh, yeah, we figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> but, um, I, I want to mention, too, you know, for like for your listeners, that if you're a micromanager, the other thing is to just to just put a silver lining here. Um, you'll be happier. Yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll just be happier as a person if you'll stop micromanaging because when you, what you're doing is you're, you're carrying, like you, you mentioned earlier about thinking, you're carrying all those thoughts and stress your whole time. You're worried about every mm -hmm. single problem out there and your life's yep. miserable. It sucks. Like if you start yeah. letting go of that, you'll be surprised how much happier you're going to be as a person. Yeah. And think about your team. You know, if they're, say you have a designer in house or uh, director of operations or you have, uh, you know, crew leaders, whatever, right? They, as a business owner, your mind is going and, you know, you got to run your business. You got to make bills, you know, pay your bills. You got to pay payroll. You got to keep the front line of the business running where you're selling work. You've got to get materials lined up. I mean, just add to the list payroll. We've mentioned like all of these things are going through your mind on a daily basis. That's just business. That's not home life. That's not wife, family, kids, whatever. That's like none of that. So you're managing all of these things. Imagine, I don't know if you've ever seen at the circus where they have those people with the sticks and the plates and they're kind of yeah. trying to keep them in the air. It's like you have all these plates in the air trying to think every day your mind is in all these different categories. And when you think about it, your team, they come into work, they have their you know personal lives as well, but they come in and they might do one function. They might do design, they might do project management, they might do something, but they only focus on that piece. Yeah. So of course they're going to be more efficient at it because they have, they don't have all the other lag of everything else that they're running through their minds at the time. So just give them the space. They're going to be better than you. They don't have nearly as much on their mind trying to run a business. That's right. That's absolutely yeah. right. So powerful. So uh, obviously you were founder of Busy Busy. I want to hear about what this is. Can you tell us what this is, how it can help us as contractors and uh, what even was the reason to start something like this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so first off, Busy Busy, it is those systemizing things for your business. You know, when you talk about systemizing different things, um, we, so so first off, when, when I was, I guess the inspiration for it is when I was just trying to get the data out of the field that I needed to run my business. And this is back in, you know, Let's, let's go back to 2007, which is when I had mm -hmm. the vision for Busy Busy. You know, I'm, I'm working my butt off. I'm managing all these different things and I'm trying to get the data that I need. And I hired a, I hired a, um, um, a mentor that had been managing. He's the CFO of a, of a large manufacturing company. 
And, you know, so they have everything dialed in just perfect. I mean, mm. all the reporting, all everything dialed in. And so he starts helping me and he's just like, why, why don't you have all this data like up to date? And I said, well, yeah, a lot of it hasn't come in yet. You know, we're, we're waiting on time cards, waiting on this, waiting on this. It's just like, how in the hell do you even run your business? Yeah. Like, you don't have any of your data, like you don't have any of your data to run your business. And I said, well, that's just how the construction industry is. And he says, well, mm. then the construction industry is stupid. <laughs> simple and, and I, I i i pondered it for a long time and i thought yeah that is stupid like why don't we have all the data in real time this is before the iphone came out and i i had had um you know i'd had those different computer phones that they used to have you know microsoft windows had some computer phones different things this is before blackberry too i mean blackberry was starting to come out this time but Anyway, so I said, I thought, yeah, if I could get the time card data, like the time card data was, it's kind of your source data because people fill out time cards because they want to get paid. So you, so you mm. say, how many hours were you working? What were you doing? Did you do any extras? What materials did you use? You know, you try to get all your data off the time card. And so um, I, I had my my secretary spend about three quarters of her time just trying to get the get the time cards out of the field and then get them legible and then try to get the guys to remember what they're working on because traditionally, like if you pay weekly, and you're not tracking time every day, and you're not collecting time cards every day, then when do they fill it out? They fill out their time card at the end of the week. And so, mm. and they're just trying to remember what they did. And and your yeah. hours aren't accurate. What they're doing is not accurate. Nothing's accurate. And honestly, you're probably losing, <laughs> losing a lot of money. And so, so as I was kind of evaluating the industry and saying, okay, what things do I need to do? That was the number one problem is we've got to get this data, this variable data, and especially the labor data out of the field, and we've got to get it more real time. You know, so, so that's what busy, busy does. So we, we track time, we track time and attendance, you know, so we can manage, track your time. We make it super easy because we grew up in this industry. We know the industry, we know it needs to be easy. Make it to, we can, they can track their time. They can track it to jobs, to tasks, to equipment, to whatever you need to do. We have it to where they can um, take photos and upload photos, do daily reports, run their schedule off it. Um, anything that you want that's focused on job data, fill collection, we do. We basically create that as a system so that now we talk about when you estimate a job and afterwards you need to evaluate and see what happened. If your guys are tracking their data in busy, busy, you've got that evaluation, not only when the job is done, but even in real time during the process of the job. Because if, if you're running a large enough project, you need to know, you need to know if you're off course way before you get to the end, mm. you know, so busy is collecting sure. your time. We, we actually also just this year, we, we were released a, a payroll product and it's a it's a wonderful payroll product because it's a white label product from gusto and gusto is a great solution and so we now have it to where you can track your time through busy busy you can automate your payroll um and and basically get you know all the the data to accommodate that system and it's basically business intelligence for the construction industry I love that, dude. No. I love it because I remember exactly that. Here's your time card, guys. And even by the end of the day, it was rusty on exactly what they did. Like, yeah, I think I worked till 12, yeah. 1, 2, something like on that. And it's because to them, it's just a matter of time. They don't care about how the space, the time was allocated. It's like, I got here at 8, I left at 7. Here's yeah. what I kind of did in that time frame. But that kind of is where money's you know lost or gained because the next job you bid from those kind of numbers, you give, give you another kind of project. And yeah. then you're keeping your fingers crossed that there's going to be any... You you know, profit at the end of it. So That's right. it's important to get the accurate numbers. I'll, I'll give you an example of just a customer testimonial. So um, er, early in the days, busy, busy, you know, we, we had this excavation contractor. He was, had 15 employees. So, you know, smaller contractor. 
And he started using it. And, you know, we charge, we charge about 10 bucks a month per person. So, and so by the way, busy, busy, you can get the free version, which does everything your paper time card will do. And it'll get rid of your paper time cards. It's like, you know, go, go digital, go green, you know, save, nice. save the trees, whatever you want to call it. Perfect. We can get rid of your paper for free, no cost. And it will, and it will aggregate your team payroll and everything. But for 10 bucks a month, you get the pro service, which is basically all your data analytics. So it tracks all your data to your jobs and you get everything. So this nice. guy's paying about 140, 150 bucks a month. And I said, how's, how's it going for you? He says, it's great. He says, I'm making about $5,000 a month extra. I was like, really? You know, you got to tell me that, you know, you're paying us 150 bucks a month and you're saying we're really making you 5,000 a month extra. He says, yeah. He says, well, it was three things. He says, he says, first off, he says, before busy, busy, all my guys would turn in 40 hours a week, just 40, 40, 40. He says, and then we started busy, busy. And all of a sudden their time was coming in at like 36 and 37 and 35 hours. And he says, and, and they didn't like that. He says, so they started clocking in, you know, on time, but they were clocking in from home <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> GPS tracking and stuff. He says, so I told him, Hey, yeah. you can't, you can't clock in from home. You got to actually do the work, you know? So, so he says, but they're used to the 40 hour paycheck. So he says they just started showing up and working 40 hours a week. And so he started getting those extra mm. five hours and it's yeah. not that employees are bad. They're not, it's, it's a habit and you've let them create it. They have a habit mm. of like, Oh, show up at seven. Well, you know, seven fifteen is still seven, seven twenty is still seven, you yeah. know, and go home early and whatever. And so, and it, again, it's not so much about micromanaging. It's just about visibility. You know, even, most yeah. employees want to be good employees and, and so they'll show up on time if you have a system. So he says one, one, he says that happened. He says, the second thing is I set up, you know, and my projects, when they track, track, track their time, they can track it to contractor extras. He said, so I found out I was losing a whole bunch of extras that go through the cracks, like billables, you know, things like that wasn't part of the contract that they're doing on site that I had no idea about. Hmm. So I started getting the data that I needed to, to do the extra billing. He says, and the third thing is I started discovering the jobs I was losing money on versus the jobs I was making money on. And I just started doing less of the jobs I was losing money on and more of the jobs I was making money on. <laughs> just super simple, three simple things. Incredible. That, it's a good way to define what Busy Busy does for you. I love that. And, and it's, it's so true because oftentimes we, we think we have to do a certain kind of project, you know, say in the landscaping world, maybe it's, you know, the landscaping or the lighting or the water feature or the, the patio or the deck or whatever it might be. And you think you have to do it. And then when you start tracking the time and looking about, you know, or am I actually profitable at this pretty soon? You're like, I am killing it on water features, but I'm losing my ass on decks. Yep. Like, so why are we even doing decks? But without the information, you would never know. And you just keep going down the road, figuring that every single project you do a deck on, you're losing money. Then you do a deck only project and then you lose a ton of money. Yep. You're like, crap, we lost money. But you've been losing money the whole time. You just didn't know it. That's right. You're, you're exactly right. You're flying blind. It's literally like driving yep. a car or flying an aircraft. Like you're flying blind and you don't realize it. Yep. And so you're losing this money all over the place. And, and what, what busy basically gives you is a dashboard. Like now you yep. start having yep. this intelligence where you start seeing it and you're like, oh yes, the decks are killing me. And so you got two decisions to make. One is either stop doing decks or two, raise your mm -hmm. prices. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. Get where you need to be. And I, th here's a, a great uh, a way to think about it. It's like getting in your car, putting a blindfold on and saying, okay, let's go. Yep. And that's how most run their business when that's it comes right. to the numbers. They just hope, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Busy, busy, busy. It gives you a dashboard and it's, and it's a scorekeeper. It starts keeping yep, score. Yep. So you can start paying attention. Like, am I winning? Am I losing? You know? Yep. 
It's just like if you were playing a game of football and there was no big, no jumbotron up and yeah. uh, you're like, oh yeah, how many passes, how many passes, how many tackles, how many touchdowns? I'm not a football guy, sorry. <laughs> right? But you know, all of these things aren't being calculated. You can't see them in real time. And then how does the game even work at that point? What, what uh, quarter are we in? Where are we? Like what down are we in? So this is really important to keep that just like that for a business. And it, it, I say this again, because it took me a long time to learn this. <laughs> so It's a good analogy. If you know, sports yeah. is an amazing analogy for this is you're exactly right. I bet a lot of your listeners like sports, you know, construction world, they sure. like sports, but if you had a team out there, you know, it's a football team, basketball team, whatever that didn't track their data, like they're for sure coming in at the, in the lowest level of their bracket every year, right? They're, they're coming in dead last because they're not tracking their data. They're not tracking their tackles, yeah. their passes. Um, they're not, they're not seeing where they need to improve. And it would be really good of business owners to learn how to be coaches. And, yeah. and coaches need to have information. Like you've got to have that data where you're like, okay, look, you know, you're only making, you know, if you go with basketball analogy, you're only making 60% of your free throws. You've got to practice your free throws. You yeah, know, yeah. here's where we're losing. Here's where we're winning. You're great at the outside shots. You're bad at the inside shots. And yeah. that's, that's the way your business works too. Like you got to have that data so you can start making the decisions and be a coach to your team. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. I couldn't agree more. It's so, so important because how else are you going to guide, you know, your, your teams and how are you going to take the obstacles out of the way when you don't know what the obstacles are? Yep. Very true. That's where most get stuck in the field. They're just like, it's just too much work to start thinking about it. I'd rather just get my hands dirty because that's what I love about the industry is I can get out and work and that's great, but somebody needs to drive the bus. Yeah. Somebody needs to lead the team through the mud. Somebody's got to lead them through the rock slides, like all of this stuff. And yep. if you're the owner, most likely that's you. Yeah. And if it's not, you better have some powerhouse in that place. And if you're, if you're the person who loves to go out and build stuff, then do that. But make sure you have somebody in that space. Because if not, your, your company's going to just kind of wallow around and eventually go out when you find something else interesting to do. Because it's not going to last the test of time. That's right. It's important. That's so, exactly right. so, all right. So, Isaac, so Busy Busy, is it an app on your phone? Is it something you log into online? Like, what is it? What is it? How, how do I get to it? Um, it's all those places. So it's on the, okay. the app store. So the iPhone app store, the Android app store, if you have a Google or if you have an Android phone, you can find it on Google Play. If you, if you have an iPhone, you can find it on the app store. Um, it's online. You can go www.busy.com or busy, busy. I'm sorry, two busies. So www.busybusy.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very <laughs> and, uh, busy. And the the system works just like that. You know, the, the website's designed more for the office administrators to work and the apps were designed for the people in the field. So it works really well Perfect. across all platforms. I love that. I love it. Isaac, thank you for doing that for the industry. Thank you for the opportunity and the pricing model. You just can't beat that. I mean, you can't beat free, right? So free and then 10 bucks a month is 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 chicken scratch when it comes to what it can do for you. So anybody oh, yeah. out there listening, you know, just go take a look at it, uh, reach out to the team. I'm sure you have content on, you know, somewhere that they can see and see how it'll make their uh, business much better. So um, Isaac, so anything else you want to add? Um, you know, a little, bit of, a little bit of pitch in the end is just on average, our customers actually use the product they increase their profit margins by about 30 percent nice just by using a ten dollar a month product <laughs> that could be some massive money man i love that it, is. And it's, yeah. it can be massive and it's just, it's the the certainty that comes with knowing numbers and knowing that that helps you guide your business. I mean, we're going to be going in some pretty interesting times here. Most don't want to admit it, but the reality is, with interest rates rising and and with the you know overall inflation rising and the client's perspective of how free flow the cash is out of their wallet, it's going to change very soon. Nobody wants to talk about this, but it's coming. 
And you better be as efficient as possible and know your numbers so you know which projects you should be focusing on and which ones you should be letting go for someone else to lose some money on, right? So it's an important, important piece here. So you got to become even more efficient during these times that are coming or you're going to be, you're going to lose your ass. I agreed. hundred percent. Joshua, Big thank time. you. Yes. Thank you, Isaac, for coming on. And, uh, you know, I definitely learned a lot and enjoyed our conversation. And, you know, anybody out there listening, you know, our, our goal is to impact and empower 2 million contractors in the next four and a half years. And we're well on our way to that. Thank God to, to all the people that listen and share. I mean, I it always warms my heart each week after the podcast airs to see how many times it's shared out in social media. And it really is incredible because each one of you want to help somebody else. And, you know, our, our mantra has always been to, you know, each one teach one. So if you find something that's really valuable, even if it's not this podcast, if a YouTube video somewhere and you think someone else that you know, love or respect can use it, share it, share it on social media. Maybe somebody watches it and it changes their life and you never know which of these different experiences that, that someone's going to watch or be part of that's going to turn it all on for them. You just don't know. So you can be a part of the change in our industry and in the world just by giving. And that's a beautiful part. So that's why we do this for free. That's why, I mean, Isaac is, is nice enough to come on and, and give an hour of his time to talk about what he does and share his stories so that hopefully somebody listening gains value from this and they can say, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to try that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change this. I'm going to add a system. I'm going to try out this app. I'm going to approach my team in a different way. I'm going to become that obstacle destroyer for them. And it's, that's what this is all about. It's all of us growing. So thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you next week.